Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter is writing to elect exiles. Now, these exiles are special people. We learned that as we quoted our verse out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. They are indeed those whom God had brought together for his purpose. They were living out a hope. They were to be obedient children, holy in their lifestyle. And God had given to them the wonder of who they are as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. And yet they're still exiles and they're trying to flesh out in this culture how they should live. Peter is helping them do that. A number of years ago, Francis Schaeffer wrote a book. It was a cross-cultural book that was entitled, How Then Shall We Live? And in this book, he looks at the rise and fall of civilizations. He looks at the Judeo-Christian ethic. And he challenges believers to be able to live out their faith within the culture that God has placed them. That's where we are in Peter. And that's where we are in our lives, trying to discover God's will for our lives and trying to understand how we live out that will in this culture. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's begin with verse 13. We looked at this passage last week. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor or supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Here's the phrase. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor the emperor. The beginning of verse 15, for this is the will of God. Last week we reminded you that God has a couple of wills. There is his sovereign will. There is his moral will. Now if we look at his sovereign will, we understand that it is indeed God's predetermined plan for the universe. God is God, amen? God is in control. He is omniscient, he is omnipotent, he's omnipresent. And God has a predetermined plan for the universe. Now, God has shared with us his moral will. He has revealed a plan of how man should live, and we find that in his word. Now, between those two, we have the individual will of God. And we recognize that God has a plan for our lives. His individual will is that which allows us to recognize that we have a responsibility to live before God. And it fleshes out God's sovereign and God's moral will. And our choices are based on what we know about God's sovereign will and what we know about God's moral will. And it allows us then to live as this chosen people, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, this people of his own possession, for his honor and for his glory. Last week I told you that I chose my socks. Different socks this week. 
according to my understanding of God's sovereign, God's moral will. He gives me that freedom. Did you see the Facebook posting this past week? It was me showing you my socks. Did you see that? And the caption was, what does Pastor Tom's socks have to do with the will of God? Well, a lot. Because it is his sovereign will, his moral will, combined together as our understanding and having great freedom to live a life that pleases him. Last week we looked at that oxymoron. It's found in verse 16. Living people who are free, but as servants. Servants of the living God. How do you put that together? You live out his sovereign and moral will. And base our choices on that which is revealed to us and that which pleases us. Zeb and Andrea, writer, are trying to determine what God's will is for their lives. For the last couple of years, they have been at New Tribes Bible Institute over in Jackson. It is now Ethos 360. And they are ready to take a next step. They're going down to Missouri to understand what tribal living is all about and to recognize how they can be used in a very special way to bring glory to God. A week ago, we met with Zeb and Andrea at our deacons meeting, and Zeb and Andrea shared with us a little bit about what God's doing in their life, how they know God's will. How they're putting together God's sovereign will and God's moral will and then living it out in their lives. And this morning, I want to allow you to see how they are fleshing this out with the hopes that you and I can flesh it out in our lives because the truths are the same. Now, I don't know where you are in your Christian walk, but I want you to know this. You're never too young to follow the will of God for your life. I don't know where you are in your Christian life, but I want you to know this. You're never too old to follow the will of God in your life. I don't want you to look back this morning and say, boy, I wish I would have. I wish I'd have made a different decision at some point. I want you to know this morning that wherever you are in your Christian life, you can pursue and follow and be blessed in the will of God as you understand his sovereign will, as you recognize his moral will, and as you put that together. And so this morning, I'm going to give you four signposts that you can use to discover and live out the will of God. And we're going to see how these are lived out in Zeb and Andrea's life. Zeb and Andrea, I'm going to ask you to join me up here. Yippee. I can tell that you were looking forward to this. I want you to know that when I came in this morning, I put these chairs right here in the middle, and then I thought better of it. I thought maybe you'd be more comfortable over here. So what we're going to do, and this will not be a seamless transition as we do it, I'm going to share with you these signposts, and then we're going to go over to Zeb and Andrea, and they're going to give us testimony about how God has used it in their lives, all right? And I think it's going to be able to help us Oh, look at that on the big screen, guys. Huh? And, and I think it's going to help us understand 
that we can know and we can follow God's will, and it's the most exciting thing that we could ever do in our lives. book of Hebrews tells us this. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to those that are struggling. It's not easy to live out their relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't get rid of it because when you've done God's will, you get what God promised because it's based on who he is. All right, let's work our way through these signposts and let's share them together. The first signpost is truth. And it all starts with God's will. Now, if you look in the New Testament, and I gave you this assignment last week, you will discover that that phrase, will of God, is used some 24 times in the New Testament Scripture. Paul said that he was apostle according to the will of God. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, it was the will of God that I come to you, and you know how God got to Rome, courtesy of the Roman government in chains. That was all God's will. And so you start to look through the Word of God, and you discover God's moral will, and you also discover what His will is for our lives. God's will is that we be saved. Salvation is God's will. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God sent His Son. To die for the sins of the world, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but ever has everlasting life. You believe that? Anyone, everyone who believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved. Amen? I'm a sinner. Christ died for my sins. I need to receive the gift of salvation. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Invite him into my life and be saved. That's God's will. God's will is also that we sacrifice in our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable form of worship, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, here it is, will of God. God's will is that we live our lives for Him, not for our own selves. God's will is that we present ourselves unto him so that he can do with us as he wants. Sacrifice is God's will. God's will is that we are sanctified. Now, there are three parts of sanctification. If you were in our ABF this morning, Preston mentioned these. There's our positional sanctification when we become saved and we are are made part of the body of Christ. Amen? There is that permanent sanctification that one day we will be like him for we will see him as he is. All tears will be wiped away. Our our bodies will be renewed. This corruptor will put on incorruption, moral immortality. Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Isn't that great? 
I get excited about those things. My wife just gave me a signal. She said, calm it down. <laughs> Won't that be great? <laughs> I trust that you're looking forward to that time when we are permanently relieved of all this stuff in our lives. But between our position and between our permanence, there is some progression that needs to take place. Progressive sanctification. And that's growing in faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us about that progressive sanctification. And it tells us that we need to make sure that this growth process is in holiness in our lives. Sanctification. Stewardship. Stewardship is part of God's will. We won't take the time to go to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But there Paul is thanking the believers for a gift that they had sent to him. He's thanking them for the generosity that they have shown in his ministry. And he says there that giving is the will of God for their lives. And he's seen it evidenced. Stewardship. Four more very quickly this morning. Satisfaction. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Paul puts it this way, rejoice in the Lord always, and as again I say rejoice. Are you thankful with what God's given to you? Jack's so good to see you today. Jack's recovering from five bypass surgeries. Now Jack did not choose that. He thought he was going in for a simple heart cath. And the docs got in there and discovered that he needed more than just a heart cath. And the I think it was the next day, wasn't it? Within 24 hours, he was having five bypass surgeries. Aren't you thankful for God's will? And aren't you thankful that we can be satisfied in what God brings to us because he does all things well? Jack has learned some lessons that he would not learn any other way. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God's will is submission. We read that here in 1 Peter chapter 2, right? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. God's will is service. We read that too here in 1 Peter chapter 2. Live as people who are free, but living as servants to God. And believe it or not, God's will is suffering in our lives. Are you still in 1 Peter chapter 2? Jump over to chapter 3, will you please? Look with me at verse 17. 1 Peter 3, 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if it should be God's will, than doing evil. 1 Peter 3, 17. So how is that fleshed out in our lives? Zeb, you weren't planning this track in your life, were you? No, not at all. <laughs> Zeb was planning to be a Navy SEAL. Does he look like a Navy SEAL to you? <laughs> Pretty good flippers. Yeah. 
But God changed something in your life. Yeah, um, he tends to do that. He tends to do that, yes he does. Tell us a little bit about how you came to the conclusion that God could use you to go out and tell people about the gospel. Hmm. Well, I, I guess it all began when I was, when I was 17 and I was looking at uh, what to do with my life, really. Um, I had done a lot of, uh, I guess, preparation for joining the military and doing what you were just talking about. And um, I kind of had a crisis of faith where, well, I grew up in a Christian home. So I, there was a point that I came to where I kind of started questioning all the foundations that I'd always believed and always um, accepted. And after spending about a month stepping back from the faith and stepping back from Christianity, I studied through uh, a lot of other religions, not probably as well as I could have, but I studied through, uh, yeah, the, the basis of Buddhism and uh, Mormonism and how all these things, how all these different religions formed. And it always came back to the same question, um, if God is real, if, if heaven and hell are a reality that we don't see right now, then what could possibly be more important than living a life as if that were true. And um, I decided I was going to go to Bible school, and, well, that's a long story, too. I want, right after, um, come to the conclusion that Christianity was completely different from these other religions, and basically, the Bible stood up to my, the t all the tests that I threw at it, the Bible stood up to that. And not that I had an extensive understanding of that, but I recognized that it had to be taken on faith and that it stood up to the test. Amen. So I wanted to go, right away I wanted to go overseas and dig wells, or I was looking at a bunch of different missions organizations, and um, after talking to my youth pastor at the time about that and saying, I want to go there right now, I want to leave within a month or whatnot and get everything in order, he um, wisely said, maybe you should take a little time and <laughs> learn a little bit about the Bible, a little more. And so um, at, that, at that point, I already had a New Tribes Mission in my sights, and that was the best organization that I found to really reach the unreached of the gospel. And I go to Bible school and figure out, uh, you know what, I don't know anything about the Bible. And, <laughs> and even now, I... Uh, I've learned a lot over the last two years about the Bible, but I find that really I don't, I'm just starting the journey of learning about God and learning about God's word. And mm -hmm. anyways, so that's kind of how I got to where I, where I am at now. And then Andrew came into the picture and yeah, Amen. that's a longer story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you catch what he said? If heaven and hell are real, what am I doing about it? What am I doing about sharing it with people who don't understand that truth? How am I giving folks good news? Truth. The Word of God for our lives. That's the first guidepost. The second guidepost is this. 
teaching. Teaching of the Holy Spirit of God. Working in our lives so that we might understand what God has for our lives. Now, the Holy Spirit has a number of different responsibilities. The Holy Spirit has the responsibility to instruct us, to help us, to teach us. The Holy Spirit has the responsibility to bring all things to our remembrance. Now, we need to be careful with the Holy Spirit that we do not grieve Him and that we do not quench Him. But Romans chapter 8 says, Likewise the Spirit, King James, helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Verse 27. But the Spirit prays according to the will of God. And as He guides and directs and teaches us these things, He works in our hearts to help us understand what God's will is. And you are familiar with Romans 8.28, aren't you? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. How do we know that? Because the Spirit is praying for us according to the will of God and teaching us what we need to discover. The second guidepost is a recognition, a recognition of the teaching, the Holy Spirit's direction. Prayer in our lives, if you will. Now, Andrea, you shared with us about having open hands. Yeah, tell, us, tell us how you came to that place, and, and it had to do with your relationship with Zeb, did it not? Yeah, so I guess I'll kind of have to start in the middle of the story because it's a really involved story. But um, basically when we started getting to know each other, we were really interested in each other and found that um, pretty much everything that we were each looking for in a spouse, we found in each other. But... The, the ways that we were looking at carrying out our lives in ministry looked very different. And we had the same core principles in mind of wanting to live an evangelism-centered lifestyle and um, aiming to reach those with the gospel who've never had an opportunity to hear. And I was looking at carrying it out in a, in a different way than he was. And it was really hard because we were like, we finally found someone who is a good match for us and... Um, so we decided to take some time apart and just pray over things and, um, and talk with people, mentors that, um, who are invested in our lives. And we came to a place where we finally realized, we're like, well, if we both have the same core values in place and we have the same goals in ministry, even if the ministries we were looking at looked a little bit different, that um, we could hold our hands open before God and both be willing to make changes in our direction to be able to, um, I guess, work, have lives that melded together instead of separate. So um, just that idea of having open hands before God and both being willing to lay aside our desires and what we wanted to do in ministry, but keeping those core goals we had in mind that we um, gleaned from Scripture as direction in that. You ever hear the phrase, my mind's made up, don't confuse me with the facts? That is an indication of closed hands. I'm going to do what I want to do no matter what. And as Zeb and Andrea fleshed out their relationship, each of them had a different idea about how God would use them. But they opened their hands and said, teach us. 
Let us know what your plan is for our life. If you want us together, great. I'm glad that was his plan, aren't you? Right answer, Zeb. Good job. But it was God who worked in their lives with open hands. And if you and I are to know God's will for our lives, we must open our hands and say, here am I, Lord, send me wherever you want me to go. Now, I always thought that God might have some kind of sense of humor. And I would say, Lord, send me wherever you you want me to go, but don't put me with snakes. I hate snakes. And he would say, Africa. That's not the kind of God I serve. My God is a loving, gracious, merciful God who understands who I am and recognizes how I can best be used for his honor and his glory. He made me, right? Fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew me before I was even conceived. And my God recognizes exactly what I need when I need it. And it's the Holy Spirit who teaches me these things. So that I can follow him. There's a third guidepost that is very important to our lives. And that's this. Testimony. Biblical examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, Now all this happened unto these folks. Old Testament. All of this happened to them as an example to you. Now, sometimes there are Good examples, helping us understand what we are to do. And sometimes there are bad examples, helping us understand what we shouldn't do. Joseph, you want to know how to have better personal relationships? Look at Joseph and his brothers. Daniel, he prayed, he obeyed God. We ought to obey God, not man. Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Esther and Mordecai were were faithful to the Lord. Ruth followed God's direction. Peter, he saw this great white sheet come down, and he was hungry, and God said, Peter, rise and eat. And he said, well, no, Lord. It's not clean stuff in that sheet. I don't want that. But he learned very quickly that God had a different plan. Samson was a bad example. You can't get away with it when you play with sin. Jonah. (laughs) Don't try to run from God. He'll get your attention. Solomon. Your heart can be easily distracted if you hang with the wrong people. Examples. And God uses the testimony of these individuals through the biblical narrative to help us understand what his will is. And we can flesh that out in our lives. Now, Zeb, Andrea, have have you had any examples in in your lives? You mean like biblical examples or? However you want to do it. All right. (laughs) I'll get to the next one, though. Okay. Well, the, I guess the first one that comes to mind is Jesus. That's pretty obvious. But we see um, his example in ministry and his example in 
his relationships and how he uh, confronted specific situations that he encountered. And I have, over the last couple of years, I've, I've specifically, in, in my life, not necessarily Andrea's life, but I've specifically, I guess, implemented um, actions that, and motivations that I try to, I guess, derive from what, what I see in Scripture, what I see Jesus doing, how I see Jesus interacting and treating people and in his relationships, how Jesus deals with conflict, how Jesus deals with um, all the different situations that he encounters with sinful people. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the greatest example that we see of Jesus is his love for the lost, his love for us, and he laid down his life for us and for the whole world. And he did not, like, I don't know if you remember the, in Gethsemane, right before he was arrested, um, Jesus was praying to the Father and asking if this cup could pass from him. But if it couldn't, he would accept it. And to me, I just see that as the uttermost expression of Jesus' love for us and his love for the lost, his love for all of humanity. And that's how I would desire to, to live my life and how we desire to live our life. Um, I guess our mission statement, if you will, um, when we started entering a relationship is whatever we can do to glorify God. But we wanted to have a ministry focused on reaching people with the gospel that did not have an opportunity and do not have an opportunity otherwise. So that's, that's what our lives are focused toward. And I know you're probably reaching to get up there, but um, I think the, uh, the greatest example, though, well, Jesus is the greatest example, but we see Paul throughout his ministry focusing on reaching those who, taking the gospel where it's never been taught. In the end of mm-hmm. Romans, he just walked through laying out the cornerstone of the faith, the cornerstone of the church throughout the whole book of Romans, and he gets to the end of Romans, and he's talking about how his desires are to come to them and to love, and to come and show love to them and establish these things in person. But he talks about his longing to take the gospel where it's never been preached, and that is our motivation, too. To, we might have desires to do this or do that, but we want to take the gospel to places where it's not been named. We will learn in First Peter that Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And as we study the life of Christ, he gives to us an understanding about how we should live. And Paul, Paul pursuing God's will no matter what was going on in his life. Yeah. We need to look at the biblical narrative and discover God's will. And lastly, We need to understand that God brings experiences and people and trusted advisors into our lives so that we can recognize God's will. Maybe it's experiences. Moses. Moses was asked, what's in your hand? Can you imagine the life-changing moment that that was? Or the burning bush how God got Moses' attention. Gideon, 
<laughs> you mighty man of valor. And then he, they, he saw that the idol had, had tipped over by God. David. Before David ever got to Goliath, he'd killed a lion and a, and a bear. Life experiences. Joshua learned a lot from Moses. Hannah learned a lot from Eli. David learned a lot from Samuel. Paul wrote to Philemon about Onesimus. Trusted advisors. And as you guys have gone down this path, you've asked a lot of questions. <laughs> you've made a lot of phone calls. You have had a lot of counseling appointments. And God has placed people in your lives to help you develop his perfect will. And that has been so exciting for us to see. Now, you've gotten two messages this morning. You understand that, don't you? One from Zeb and Andrea. And that message is we can pursue God's will, and it is taking steps that we believe he has brought into our lives. They, at this point, don't know what all God has for them. But they're taking steps to learn what that is. And the other message is that there are four signposts that you and I need to look at. We need to look at truth. We need to look at the teaching of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I trust that the Holy Spirit's teaching you something. We need to look at the testimony that God has given to us of biblical narrative. Where his servants followed and at times failed in his will. And then there are those trusted advisors, those experiences, those counselors that God has brought into our lives. Last Sunday night, we had a quarterly business meeting. And at that quarterly business meeting, we recommended that we as a church family license Zeb to the gospel ministry. You say, well, what is that all about? Licensing is a confirmation of what we believe God is doing in their lives. It is a time of encouragement in recognizing that God has a very special will for these folks. And that they are pursuing it with what God has for them. I wrote a half sheet of explanation for licensing. And if you want one this morning, it's on the Welcome Center. You can pick that up. But this morning, we want to give this certificate to you, Zeb. It talks about ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ in, in your life. And a recognizing, recognition of, of what we believe God's doing. And we give this to you with a promise that we're going to pray for you guys. And we are just looking forward to what God has for your lives. Zeb and Andrea have, have already expressed 
Should God lead them into vocational missions ministry? They want Calvary Baptist Church to be their sending church. Now, we're on record with this now. You understand that, don't you? Okay. And this is just an exciting time in our ministry. Amen? And it is so wonderful to see God calling young men and young, young women for his glory and his work and his gospel. And so I want to have a word of prayer with you guys right now. You've heard a bit of their testimony. Put them on your prayer list, will you please? Get to know them. You guys are leaving this week, right? You'll be here next Sunday, okay? So let them know. Put your arms around them. Love them on a little bit. They're going to need that in the months ahead. And let's just see what God's going to do. But I would challenge you to ask this question. What does God want to do with me? You're never too young to pursue the will of God. You're never too old to pursue the will of God. And so what does God want to do with me for his honor and his glory?